The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Very active starting a business. It takes a lot of gumption. I really want to dig in deep, figure out what makes these people tick, how they are leveraging their success to make the rest of the world a better place. You know, maybe have a couple of giggles along the way. From the Pod 617 studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Kilroy Report, the podcast that shares the stories of entrepreneurs and agency owners doing extraordinary things in an ordinary world. Now here's your host, Tim Kilroy. Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome to the Kilroy Report, where we talk about extraordinary people building extraordinary businesses in a pretty ordinary world, even though... The last two years have been extraordinary by any measure. And I'm super excited to be here today with Rahul Alim from Custom Creatives. And it, the like the 15 second backstory is this guy started a marketing agency with just his phone. Now that is, is quite honestly, that's, that's right out there with, it was a dark and stormy night as a beginning or call me Ishmael. So it's definitely, it's something that, that brings intrigue. So, uh, Rahul, uh, welcome, and I can't wait to hear about what happened with your phone. Yeah, thank you for that 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 introduction. That was amazing. Uh, I'm glad to be on the podcast and the show here. I'll kind of just dive into it with the phone thing because this isn't one of those stories where I walk 10 miles through snow with one shoe and no shirt on. This was truly me working a nice corporate job that I just didn't get an opportunity to scale within the organization. And that was a company called Realtor.com, which was probably the foundation that built me. And I love that organization to this day. And I'll tell you why through this story. But yeah, I left the company Had a great, I was starting to become climbing the top of like being one of the better salespeople for them, going from the worst in the history of their company, in my opinion, we're supposed to close $30,000 in, in sales a month. I had $2,000 and it was 90 days in. So I thought I would be terminated. Instead, they just said, Hey champ, like we'll give you a different manager. And I got a different manager than I was top 10 out of 120 people on a consistent basis. So I was kind of rising the ranks. And then I just kind of like at my peak, if you will, I was peaking and decided that, Hey, I don't have a future here because I couldn't get room for growth considering I'm growing at such a fast pace. So I felt at the time I outgrew it and made a stupid decision to walk out the door and pick up my phone, my flip phone in those days. We didn't have iPhones or touch screens. I had the like a cool one, like the razor. I know I not even that cool. It wasn't that skinny. It was the next tell walkie talkie phone. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, it was really cool. Uh, yeah, it was the yeah. best. You break through and your friends are like, dude, you can't break through. I'm in a meeting and we just mess with <laughs> each other anyway. But that's the phone I had. And I just started dialing. Like I didn't have an office. I actually didn't even have a laptop because I came from corporate where you walk in, your email's already set up. Your computer has your name on it. The internet's hooked up. The phone lines are all taken care of. And I just had my phone and I'm like, oh shit. Like I don't, I can't search the internet because I don't have they didn't have wireless plans where you had can really pull up the internet, or at least it was like yeah. at painful dial-up speed. So I just would print a list at my parents' house, and then I didn't want to hang out there, so I would just go into my car and I would I would go behind the back of an Albertsons in my Acura Integra at the time, and I would just make calls, call after call after call, and just did what it took because I knew that I had two options. I think pretty binary when it comes to success. I had two options. Number one. I can just like try to figure things out and I can just guess my way. I can go do a lot of different things. But I said the best way to know what I want as far as like buying mentorship or buying products or, or getting better technology to make my life easier is just 
don't buy stuff because other people bought it. Just go ahead and fail or figure it out by just picking up the phone. And I had the mentality of like, I don't care about no's. I just care about opportunities. So I would just dial hundreds of people in a day. And if somebody wanted to hear from me and they trusted in me, which I could put through the phone pretty well, then I knew I can make some money and then I can afford the things because I came from a good background, but I had this mentality of like, I'm broke right now. I do not want help. I have to do it on my own because my fear was I don't want help because I want to be able to like push harder because I don't want to crutch. I don't want to say, hey, mom, can I borrow a thousand bucks for a laptop? Hey, dad, can you pay my cell phone bill? Because then that would screw my mentality up in the future because even though I could do those things, I just needed to prove to myself that if nothing, if I had nothing, I can do it all over again in the future. Right. So, so what were what were you trying to sell those days on your your fancy Nextel iPhone? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, good question. And this is going to be weird to say that I've made millions of dollars, like actually over ten million dollars over this simple product that I didn't know how to how to create myself. I just knew that when I worked at the company, we sold this product that required a graphic designer. We didn't have an in-house graphic designer. So as salespeople, we needed to be resourceful. So we'd find our designers. I'd have my friends and I'd say, hey, I've got you a client. They're going to pay you pretty good money. I know you're a freelancer. Can you get this thing done in the next 24, 48 hours? Then they would say, yeah, no problem. And then all of a sudden it would take two weeks. And I'm like, well, shit, that's like, to me, I'm like, look, it's an hour, two hour job tops. Why are you kind of like taking so long. So then I found it, then I just said, well, if that's the norm, maybe that's just the way graphic designers think very nonchalant, but that's not my style. So when I left, I'm like, all right, now I know the market will pay this because it doesn't exist in this company. And now I also know that the fulfillment is not that difficult. So what I decided to do is I would just cold call people on real estate-based websites and saying, hey, I see you have an amazing product that you purchased and it has these banner ads all over. What if I actually made those actually work for you? So your hundreds or $20,000, $30,000 of marketing actually gets a return. Would it be worth it if I can charge you $500, but it will actually get you clients that pay you because I can break down the message if you like. And people are like, dude, I didn't know I can even do that. So I would say, all right, here you go. The first person I charged 500 bucks. Didn't even know what to charge. I actually didn't even know how to, I knew how to write the ad copy because I sold it. I can come up with ideas really well. But I had like, now that I have their money and I'm like, oh shoot, I got to find a designer. So I went on Google, I found a designer and I didn't know that how cheap these things could be for production. And I saw he was in Pakistan at the time, or at least probably still is. And, and I, it was 25 bucks. So I called him. He actually answered the phone. It was probably one in the morning, his time He's the owner and uh, he's a hard worker like me. So I said, Hey, I want to buy this ad from you. And can you do it now? And he's like, well, all the designers are sleeping. So I convinced them. I'd say, Hey, I'll pay your rate that you're asking for, but I'm going to give you a boatload more volume in the future, but I'd like you to wake your designer up because I want to see if you can do it for me now. Woke his designer up two hours later, got the product, did a couple of revisions. It looked beautiful, deliver it to the client. They loved it. And I just had an idea in my head and I said, well, Hey, there's four seasons. What if you buy three more of these and I'll give you one of them for free? And she said, that's brilliant. Do it. And I'm like, oh man, I can produce these for 25 bucks. I can buy, I can sell them for 500. This is a business. I stumbled upon it, if you will. And that's what I turned it into. Then you fast forward three years later, the company that didn't promote me while I was an employee promoted me as a vendor because they hired me to exclusively create those designs and the landing pages and logos and all kinds of other stuff. 
as their exclusive vendor. So we had that relationship for several years and we worked with about 40,000 different clients through that relationship to build marketing messages that people that inspired clicks and turned that into income for their clients and turned into upsells, cross-sells for a publicly traded company. So we just said, hey, we can do this with any brand, public or small mom and pa. Cool. So what were the things that were like the hardest? You know, so like often the first couple sales are easy. I know in my agencies, they were. You'd be like, you talk to your buddy or your friend and all of a sudden like, oh, it all works. But it's, it's like the 10th sale or the 20th sale that's hard because you're way outside of your zone of influence, right? Like you don't, this person's totally cold. They've never even heard of you. They don't even really know what you're selling. So how did you go from one guy on a, on a, I mean, a really fancy Nextel phone to sort of to, to working with 40,000 different advertisers. So what were the big growing pains for you? I think the first and foremost is a mindset thing. Um, like I'm a failed athlete. I always wanted to be a professional soccer player and never go to college and never be in business. So I never thought I'd actually be in this position. So I think it was just more my mindset of fear of failing. So that was allowed me to kind of push through the slumps. The slumps are probably the hardest times, but it tests you the most, your will, because there's so many people that will give up early or they'll just completely shift their entire business or their focus to something else. So I would say when things aren't going your way, it's just a matter of figuring out a plan to look at that as a learning experience, even if the circumstances are against you, but also having a support system around you because you're always going to have your good friends that may not have like the vision or the passion that you have for your business because they may be working for somebody or they may just be distracting you from your overall goal. And it's cool to keep them as friends, but I would put myself into other influential friends where they had common thinking and sometimes there weren't people I knew. So I would go to meetups and networks and it wasn't just necessarily to sell stuff, but it was also to get inspiration from people above me uh, because I didn't know you can buy mentorship back then. So I was just go around people and I would just say, Hey, can I just like take out the trash or can I just like give people water during the event just to be here? And that kind of got me into networks of like being able to be referred. Yeah. But the, the, hard, the hardest parts like was just the mindset first, taking care of myself, kind of like on an airplane, you put the mask on first and then you take care of others. So I put my mask on first and then the rest was about like getting somebody to help me so I can actually go to bed at night. Right, right. My first agency collapsed because... I didn't know that. I, I didn't know. getting help. I didn't think if you were owned a business, getting help wasn't something you did. Like you, you were in charge of it, and you, you had to figure it out. And just like you, I've turned those difficult lessons into things I can teach other people. Um, and, and here's something for you to, to consider. This is a, a definition that that started as a joke, but the more I say it, it, it rings truer and truer. Like the true defin the true definition of an entrepreneur is somebody who's too dumb to know when to quit. I love it. That's a really good quote. Uh, yeah, because it's, it, it's like I can honestly say throughout my the multiple companies and startups that I've worked with, there have been times when we had no right to to think that we would ever make it through today, never mind thrive tomorrow. I think there's a, there's a big bunch of just like you're just too bullheaded or too dumb to to think like to have the good sense to stop like to stop, stop smashing yourself in the face. Um, like yeah. a lot of my friends compare me to that Miley Cyrus song, like coming in like a wrecking ball, because that's <laughs> kind of my mentality of just like, I, I'll, I'll break down doors if I got to break down doors because there's what? that Michael Jordan quote in the sense of 
all like you'll hate me you may love me but i promise you it's i'm butchering the heck out of it but it goes to the essence of like you're i'm gonna push you so hard as a human whether it's my staff or the people that we help with that i won't do i won't push you so hard that i won't do anything that i'm asking you to do myself like i'll always do the things myself if i'm asking somebody else to do it if i tell you to take out the trash that means i'll also take out the trash if i make cold calls that means i'll also do or i tell you to i'll do it the same thing so we kind of have this mentality the mamba mentality i'm a huge kobe bryant advocate where it's just mental because once we over go over the mental then the talent isn't as important you don't have to be the most skillful at what you do you have to be the most passionate that hunger and discipline are two things of the criteria that i always look for and people and myself Right. I mean, there's to, to like to name a couple of people that didn't have all the physical gifts, but were still extraordinary. Mike Piazza, Tom Brady, those. And, and there's a lot there's a lot of self-discipline involved in this. But, you know, for a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in the agency space, and this will sort of, I'm sure, ring true with you. I know that in my agency coaching, there's an awful lot of people who who, who buy into the like well, this is easy. Like the, they fall into the get leads on autopilot or like outsource the work and, and it's easy. And I think that there's, that there is an expectation that if you're doing sort of an agency or digital service business, that it's not hard and that the margins are great all the time and that you don't really have to be good at it. You just have to like be able to, good enough to shine up your own image so that that other people think you're successful. Since you were a big, since since you've got this emphasis on self-discipline, how do you think about those businesses and or or potential clients who really think that building a business is easy? I think that's just whoever's teaching those types of methods. I'm sure they have a marketing play behind it to upsell, cross-sell, and all that kind of stuff because that's maybe what the market wants. But the reality, yeah, totally. Is- that's a complete recipe for setting up another person for failure and imposter syndrome because it's hard. It's not easy. You got to put in the work. You got to go and do the things that you need to do when you don't want to do them. And that also can also lead to other habits. Like even me, like I need to get in shape. So I decided I'm going to the gym. I won't, I know the gym's 24 hours because it's called 24 hour fitness. I'm not going to wait till the last second to go because I might get too tired, but I do, I go even when I don't want to go because I know it's going to bleed into other parts of my business. But to answer that question, yeah, it's not easy at all. I mean, you need to have like, you have to master so many good things and, and it's not hard. It becomes simple over time, but it's definitely not the word easy because you need to know a niche. You need to know an offer. You need to have a sales process. You need a follow-up system, a CRM, a delivery process. I call delivery Disneyland because it's the greatest place on earth because if we can give the experience to the customer when they've come into our ecosystem by exchanging their money and trusting us with it and we give them more value then we have a bulletproof client so we don't have to chase 100 clients we don't have to chase a lot of people we can actually build a seven-figure eight-figure business on the backbone of trust and good customers and grow with them so you can upsell cross-sell and offer more so there's definitely a lot of pieces but it doesn't mean don't be afraid to start it's just like that first step because that's important. And when you fail, don't worry about it. Look at it from the vantage point of what can I learn from this versus what can I complain about this? Because we can complain all day about everything, whether our mic sucks or it's sprinkling or whatever. But the reality is at least we have words we can speak. We have a throat. We have, you know what I mean? So like the, the idea is look at it. Look, don't, it doesn't mean be all positive every single day. You should be hard on yourself. 
should be hard on people. But the, the point being is we can just choose what do we want in life and what we want in business. And, and that's kind of the binary decisions, but there's going to be things that hold us back. And that's why I, I like, I'm, I'm not a mindset coach at all, at all, but I really know how impactful it is because like, I learned this from Tony Robbins because spending 18 hour days with him in freezing cold air conditioning rooms is not easy to do. It's uncomfortable, but he doesn't do that to keep you awake. It's just because he has a body temperature he needs to keep down because he puts out energy. But the point being is, I could be tired if I was at my home doing 18 hour days for five straight days with very little sleep. But when I'm in an environment of energy and I put myself in that situation, I didn't want to sleep. I had, I didn't even yawn. I was like, Oh my God, tired. Then it re- made me realize tired is a choice. So if I say, Oh man, I don't want to go to the gym. I'm too tired. I'm like, no, no, you get to choose your energy level. Excuse me. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to plug my, my computer in one second. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going and run, keeping the show and the party started while I come back to, back to my laptop battery so we don't die here. So clearly uh, your battery did not get the message that you can choose your own energy level. Other than the time when you were sitting in the, the luxurious front seat of your Acura RX, what were the parts of your business life that were the, the hardest, the ones that, that really challenged you? I think the hardest ones were probably... When losing clients, when you felt like you didn't do anything wrong, you kind of took this responsibility, if you will. And that's really kind of like the most difficult situations is like, I mean, like even when I had these big companies, like I mentioned, losing that and having to kind of terminate 70 people in one shot and recover from that to have your eggs all in one basket. Because like when you mentioned something about failure earlier, there's been two times I've done that. Everybody says there's that, that coin phrase, don't put all your eggs in one basket. I did it not once on a seven-figure deal, but twice. But the second time around, I started to build the backbone of the agency. I started using the capital that I created to actually invest in the people to have up-level skills. So I would train them. I would send them to training. I would allow them to alleviate my time and run the company while I was not available and what that allowed me to do is get rid of my micromanager, my micromanager syndrome. And I realized the house didn't burn down. In fact, it got better without me. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, well, uh, you know, yeah. one of the things we, we try to push in my one-on-one coaching program is, is the fact that one of the, one of the, the, the markers of success is that uh, you as an agency leader can take a week-long vacation without taking your computer like that's like a rite of passage that we push towards because because i know my first two agencies i couldn't have done that at all ever like i couldn't i worked i think i worked every day and except when my wife told me that i had to stop it so so that so that micromanaging and taking responsibility for things that are are that aren't actually under your control, I think it is, I think that's a serious drag on a lot of early stage entrepreneurs that, and, and it, it's, it's way better to double down on the things you can control and understand that stuff happens that has nothing to do with you. And you just have to navigate around the impacts of them. A hundred percent. I mean, that's such a, that's a marksman of a good leader because unfortunately, like with institutional education right now, 
it doesn't really put people in a situation where they can actually know how to hire somebody, know how to interview somebody, look for red flags, learn how to sell, communicate, run a webinar, do advertising online. They don't teach you that stuff. And if they do, it's really antiquated because I have, I, Wait, I, I, I mean, that's not the, that's not the purpose of education. Right. Like education isn't trade school necessarily, but yeah. Right. Right. Because then there's going to be like, there's specific skill set. There's like specialized education, like what you teach to your students, right? You can take them to their, where they want to go. And yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of a, what my point is that specialized skill allows people to get that freedom because once you learn leadership, like when I was uh, interviewing the former CEO of Sony Home Entertainment Group, I asked him, how in the world did you take a brand from 300 million to $3 billion in less than 10 years? And he just said one word, empathy. And I'm like, what does that even mean? I get what it, the definition in Webster's Dictionary is, but it's like that allowed me to be a great leader, to have 3,000 people on the exact same page at the exact same time with the same culture and vision. So in, in this sort of world of like remote work and, you know, flex time, and how do you build, how do you build culture in your company? Well, I mean, I build culture because I treat people like humans and I don't put myself above them. So that's my, my most important part starts with the interview process because we don't talk about the job role because it doesn't really matter if you have the skill or not. And number one, it matters what do you want out of life? Because if I can get you there, then I'm going to be in a position to be able to hire you. Then I look at number one is going to be hunger. Are you hungry to want to grow individually? And are you willing to actually learn on your own if I gave you that opportunity? Number two is going to be discipline. Are you going to do what you say you're going to do over a long period of time? And then once I understand that that's the case early on, my gut check, then I'll actually be able to hire them. Now I've set the tone of what I want my vision, my GSD mentality to be able to have that culture around me. Then the next thing I do is I will always spend time with them no matter what, no matter how much distance I have from the day to day, I always spend at least one hour a week on a team meeting, just going over alignment. Not necessarily, oh, what did this project do? What did that project do? That's not really the point. The point is to build culture that we all have the same alignment. Right, so, 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 so tell me how you, how you think about and measure alignment. Alignment is I can tell through the week, through their productivity. And I can also tell through body language. And I can tell if they want to be there or they're disconnected or not. And if I feel that, I can see it through the Zoom. I can feel the energy. Then I'll have a private conversation. Just say, hey, I noticed you were a little bit down today. Is, is everything all right with you? And I can just right. understand it. So, so what you said is you, you would go into a team meeting and work on alignment. So did you do you have a, a process to figure out if people are aligned? Is there, is there, uh, you know, the are there metrics process. that you look at? What, how do you... You know what? You can only work on something if you can measure how close it is to what you want right. it to be. So, right. so yeah. what, what do you mean by we work on alignment? Yeah. So as far as working on alignment, I don't have like a scorecard. It's more of a gut card. It, it, like I understand if people are progressing. I understand if people are showing up on time. I understand if people are actually going above and beyond. So I already know that the energy of what they're doing for me as a company is already above and beyond. So when I get into these alignments, I will sometimes actually bring in a magician from Airbnb experiences to kind of build that camaraderie. Then I roll it into, yeah. what did we take away from that? Because how can we relate that now down to our family and our business? Because that's how I create alignment is through energy and storytelling. Now, as far as if somebody is down and they get off track, 
that can just come up the chain to me saying like, hey, this guy's like lagging behind. He was late to work all the time. It's been consistent. He didn't communicate it. Then I go into a private zone and saying, hey, man, I got some information from your manager or your leader squad that things may not be going well for you. Or is everything okay? Like what caused this? And then I have to understand what it is. And once I understand, then I either reframe or I eject. I have to say, okay, are we on the pathway of like, we need, we want something bigger to stay on the bus? Or is it something that we're just not a good fit yet anymore? Because that's okay. People's goals change. And that's okay. You have your choice. I don't care if you leave me or not. My job, in fact, is for you to quit my company so you can get your goals. If you want to start a digital marketing agency, no better person than to work with me. I'll give you everything. I'll get you there in two years. Heck, maybe I'll be an investor when you start. So, so what are the what are the big inflection points for agency entrepreneurs? What are the phases that they go through? The phases are going to be. I mean, there's three types of archetypes, in my opinion, that I see. So, there's going to be the one, the newbie, the startup that's going to try to be like high energy. This is easy. I can do it. Let's go. Then there's going to be the second one, which is probably the most common. They probably start, they get their first few clients. They're like, this is going to be the greatest business. I'm going to make a million dollars a year. This is going to be awesome. Seven figures. Here I come. Then all the actual reality of life comes like, oh, shoot, my, my, my Facebook guy that's overseas didn't actually do it on time. He spelled things wrong and I can't log in. I don't know how to fix it. So now we have like this stress of like, we have, we get, we're getting the first initial phase of customers. Then we, our mindset disguises us as successful but in reality we're just starting so we get that like bulletproof i can do anything type mentality which is great you need that mindset but you have to also be aware then this person will go through like little peaks and valleys they'll get to 10 grand then it's back to two then it'll be to zero then it'll be back then it'll go up and down up and down up and down and it's like well i don't believe in buying stuff i'll go to youtube because i can figure it out so the ego somehow gets higher too so that's architect number two um, archetype number three is the people who made it past a certain metric where they're now in a position to scale where it's like, I can hire like a replacement, a, number, a second in command. And they're looking for like ways to say, how do I break free? Because I have the cash flow and I'm willing to spend it to solve one individual problem, not the 20 I had before. So they yeah. now sort of know what they want. They need advice to know if that's the right advice and they'll pay a lot of money to fix that so that they can get to the next level. So they become investors. So those are the types of three people. And the, the first person, if they can understand their future, that they could be that second person, they'll actually skip that and go to the third person because you want to create balance. You can't like, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And, and we all have an ego as the, as the entrepreneur, like, oh, I'm going to break doors down. I can do it on YouTube and execute. I'll read this book and my life is solved. I can read one book on offers. I'm a master of offers. <laughs> I can read one book and oh my God, Facebook's the easiest thing in the world. But we have to also be aware, like, let's get, like, our goal is not to be the best at everything. Our goal is to be the worst at everything. We want to hire people that can be better than us so we can actually go be the pitch man. We can go, or we can hire the pitch man and be the person second in command. You know what I mean? So I think if you have that awareness ahead of time that I wish they taught in institutional or high school, even that people would be a lot more successful just knowing I don't want to be number two. I want to be number one because I have no choice because that's a startup that I want to jump to number three archetype. Right. Right. Cool. Here's a question. Easier to go from zero to a million dollars or easier to go from 1 million to $5 million a year. 
I would go with the second one. Zero to a million is hard. That could take years. It could take months if you have the built-in network and the high enough ticket product or whatever it is yep. you do. Yep. I think the first million is harder because then the other million opens up new avenues. Because once you start making money, then you start spending it into buying a network. Like you can get mentorship. You can go into events. You can start roaming around more like-minded people because now you have a real business, right? You're really yep. motivated. You're inspired. So I think a lot of things open up when you start to become successful and you start to document the journey so other people can like kind of follow you along and take inspiration from you to kind of know that there's something ahead of them so i think the first million is always the hardest because like it was hard for me because i was cold calling all day and it wasn't like it was not not didn't go on for a long time i did it for the first three years of my life cold calling that was it i would ask for referrals but i knew i know referrals i don't know when they're coming like i can i can only call tim so many times right. hey man do you have a referral i can't call you monday Tuesday, monday through friday every day i have to call you once a month no you, know? you can it's fine i mean i may not have a referral for you but you you're welcome yeah. to yeah, exactly. Um, but my point being is it, it wasn't easy. It wasn't hard. I mean, it wasn't easy. It, was, it got simpler the more I did things. The repetition became second nature. And then once I got to that mark, then it became a lot easier. Avenues opened up. People saw me in my small circle as in demand. Like, what is he doing? He must be successful. He knows some stuff. Yeah. And then it creates energy around you. And then your network sort of changes. Then people will automatically say, hey, you need to meet my friend Rahul or you need to meet my friend Tim. And now all of a sudden you're connected with other seven and eight and nine figure people just because of having put in the grunt work up front. And then it just becomes easier at the end. Cool. All right. So we're rubbing up against time here. Give, so give some advice to somebody that is starting their business tomorrow. Okay. Give somebody the advice. Okay, number one, be passionate about what you do. That sounds like pretty cheerleader style, but my point being is build your business around the lifestyle you want. But if you want to work 24-7, do it. That's perfectly fine. If you want to build it around a family, know that in advance. I would say know what you're, why you're doing it. The why is the most important because that builds the vision and the culture that will change over time. Now, the second thing is going to be when we get into strategic stuff is going to be you're going to want to be a master of a niche to start off with. You want to have an offer that's easy to execute for you so you can delegate it outside so you don't have to be focused on it. That's what I would give my younger self, which I ended up doing anyways. I found one offer, found one niche, found the outsourced team, and then I sell like crazy. Sell like crazy when you're starting because that's, that cash flow is so important so you can sustain and grow because it can go out the door very quickly. You can Absolutely. spend it fast. All right. Now, give some advice to an entrepreneur who just lost their biggest customer. Like that like kind of customer, it hurts to lose. The one you're thinking like, we are never going to lose this customer or they represent a huge amount of our revenue. So I'll give you a firsthand the advice I took that I created for myself. Seven figure deal, lost it, went to the park by myself, just kind of sat, reflected, probably cried for about 20 minutes or so. Then I said, okay, I'm done. That's out of my way. And then all I did right there was document, like almost like Tom Brady, you referenced him earlier. When he's done with a game or even in game, he's actually reflecting and watching the game film. So I just played the tape in my head. What did I do well? Let's celebrate that. What? Cause I got the project. That's the first celebration way to go. Now, you know what you have in you to get that to be replaced. So the logic behind it. Number two, where did it go wrong so I can predict this and anticipate it the next time so I can get in front of it? And number three, how do I get way more people at the same time just like that? So when somebody falls off, which they will, I'm already prepared. Cool. 
So those are good words of advice. So Rahul, thanks so much. Uh, and if people want to get in touch with you to leverage the incredible services of your agency, where can they find you? Yeah, the agency is customcreatives.com. That's with a S at the end. So it's customcreatives.com. And I, I have a funnel map. I mean, you're welcome to have it too, or anybody. I don't really care. This is all for free. It's customcreatives.com forward slash win. And it's just kind of like a little diagram nice. of how I think like a system of a business should kind of flow. Right. And, and if someone wanted to learn these, the, the way that you build an agency, so where would they, where would they learn about your, your you know, coaching and advisory services? Yeah, I would go to joingsd.com. And GSD clearly stands for got some donuts, right? That's exactly right. Get exactly. Donuts and then we get shit done. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Raheem. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Have a great day. Yeah, you as well. Thank you for having me. All right. Hey, it's Tim. Thanks for tuning into the Kilroy Report. Your support means a lot. If you liked this episode, hated this episode, whatever, please leave your feedback at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you do that sort of thing. And if you're one of the brilliant people who love this, think about subscribing. It'll do you good. 